Hello and welcome to the Talking Shit Podcast. I am Tyler Bowne. And uh, it's a beautiful sunny afternoon here in the UK. Um, scorching heat. I mean, yesterday I went on uh, two big walks and I, I was sweating. Uh, really near to collapsing. It was that bad. Some really sh- struggling heats out here. But, you know, rather that than cold. But I, I like I like the winter. I like the cold, kind of. I like... I'm not a big fan of rain, but, you know, a nice breeze is good. I, You know, the perfect day for me is breezy, sunny skies, you know, uh, lack of clouds. Um, just, I think that's everyone's um, day. I think that's what everyone wants. Uh, seemingly, we never get that. We either get extreme, uh, extremely bad weather, or we get really hot days um which it is right now i don't know the temperature i may have to search it up but it, it's a struggle um but i don't know I, i've never been a big fan of uh temperatures uh going above 30 um and i will probably never change that perspective on the world uh, but I, i've never been a big fan of hot countries either um, not, you know, Spain's all right, um, but really hot countries, you, you won't see me there. Um, I, I like holidays, um, I wouldn't say I'm a big traveller, but I, I, I do like to at least travel kind of once a year. I'm not one of those people that go about five times a year, that's too much. I'm, and I've always been a kind of indoors person I do love the outdoors as well but I couldn't go on five holidays and that's not down to the country that's more down to the travel simply down to the travel I've never wanted to go on a flight that's longer than a couple of hours because there's some flights out there that's six hours and who wants that and I can't sleep on a plane I I really can't sleep on a plane this is and also when you're on a plane you always think oh my god what if this goes down I'm one of those people, but I I don't start sweating and getting nervous, but I do think, I don't want to close my eyes, because if this plane goes down, I need to know about it. But then I guess, actually, you would want to, you'd want to, if you're going to die, you know, you want to die in your sleep. So if I fell asleep on a plane, uh, and the plane crashed, no problem. For the, for the other people awake, I mean, that's a problem, and hopefully the pilot's awake, but probably not if the plane's going down. Uh, I've got a, an article up here from the, the BBC, um, really my only trusted news source. I'm not a big fan of Sky News. Um, I don't watch any American news. They're just mental. No offence to any Americans listening, because I know there is a couple of you, uh, a couple of you out there that do listen to the podcast in America, but I will not be listening to that. It's just uh, not my thing, Americans. No offence. Um... Really, the top article on BBC News today is uh, schools opening, and I, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about for at least five minutes. I probably won't talk about it five five minutes. Most of it will be going, um, ah. Uh. So I think uh, there it is. There, there's the uh. So schools reopening, that's, that's important to me. September, of course. Um, here it says uh, there is a moral duty to get all children back into schools uh, 
by next month in England, Boris Johnson has said. It, I think it is a moral duty. I think, um, to be honest, that other things were open beforehand. You know, restaurants and the barbers and uh, pubs, that they were open before schools. And I know they were open you know, at the end of the school year, so it wouldn't have made any difference. But that they were even getting... They, they were planned to reopen at least a month before, you know, any education system, I think is absolutely mental. The pub is not an essential bit of this world. I mean, it, you know, I'm sure it's fun, the pub. It's, it's, it shouldn't go over school, um, you know, school education. And I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but... That was stupid. Um, you know, the barbers. Uh, I do love a good haircut. But school, over school education? No. But, I, well, I guess... Um, <laughs> I guess if you're going in uh, to school, you'd want a fresh haircut. So I'm wrong. Oh, sorry. You can't complete your GCSEs without a, a fresh haircut. It, it's impossible. It's, you know, that's a struggle for many people. If they got an afro, the statistics show they're failing. Uh, bored people seemingly getting A, a pluses. Um, but yeah, it's, it's reopening next month. It's mandatory. So if you're, if you don't bring your child into school, you're going to get a fine. Or uh, at least uh, multiple warnings that could lead to a fine. Which, which I think is is interesting because... I'm pretty close to my school, but I I don't want to take the bus, um, because I think it's, it's just the bus is a hive mind of germs. I I don't really want to be taking the bus, but I'm pretty close. I could walk to my school. I mean, it's a bit of a walk, but I can definitely do it. I I feel sorry for the other children that um, you know, will have to use public transport, may not have a car, and that will have to. You know, and they don't want to use the bus, and then they have to walk. But I guess sometimes you've got to sacrifice yourself um, to the pandemic. I think it's it's an interesting time, as I said in the first podcast that we did. It's an interesting time when it comes to the world that we're living in. I think it's proving people's, you know, mental stability in a way because I think a lot of people are going mental uh, indoors. I um. I'm fine with it now, but those first couple of months, the kind of April, May, they were hard. They were hard to be inside constantly. Um, but now it's, it's eased up. You know, you can go out much more. You, you can go to your mate's house, um, you know, all of that. So that's fun. Uh, but school will be, a, will be a different matter, and I'm interested to see how they handle it, because there's, you know, going to your mate's house with you know, one or two of you, and maybe a parent, three, uh, or four, I guess if there's both parents, four, um, that's not as, you know, big as 1,000 children, and I, I know that's not going to be the case, they're going to split the kind of year groups and the classes and make sure there's a, a lack of interaction between um, certain year groups. Uh, I don't know how they're going to be handling breaking lunch, um, reading this article, I found nothing on about that, really. Um, I feel, from what I can see, that we will have a break, but it's going to be in bubbles. I 
obviously you have to stay two metres apart, I'm guessing, at break time and lunchtime, which I think will be a, definitely a struggle for some children. Um, but there you go. Uh, but I think the main... I think it's good to be get, getting back to school. Not, you know, this summer holiday's nice because there's no schoolwork coming on online, but there's also... You're relaxed. The rules are getting eased, and I know they're getting eased and then put back on heavy and then eased again. It's very up and down with Mr Johnson. Um, but they're getting eased, so you're seeing your mates, you're not getting any schoolwork online, it's a relaxed summer, it's a, it's a heat wave outside, but that's nice for the summer, uh, and we're allowed out, so that's brilliant. Um, but I think many people rely on uh, interaction, especially with people, because you, you can only have so many phone calls, so many texts back and forth, you know, you sometimes you need physical interaction, Um and I don't mean sexually, if some of you are thinking that. Some of you need physical interaction, just seeing your mate in person. Uh, so that'll be good for some people, especially some people that struggle with their mental health. And that the article here on BBC brings that up. Um, I think, yeah, there's definitely some children that may not necessarily interact with many people, but those people at school that they see, that gets them through the week. Um, so... That's another positive. And, of course, ed- education's coming back on. And um, am I a big fan of Shakespeare? Am I excited to go back and learn some more Shakespeare? Not really. Never been a be- big fan of Shakespeare. Uh, I think he was good for his time. And I think there are certain uh, thematic lessons to learn from Shakespeare. But I also think that many of Shakespeare's themes that he may have started have been done better by other writers and, you know, in other um, plays and other films, um, especially modern-day films. There's some brilliant directors out there, uh, brilliant writers, and I think some modern themes, some of Shakespeare's themes are in everything. He took some very broad themes, but in a way he revolutionised it for his time. But I think over the years, Shakespeare's definitely been updated at least his themed and put into other other products. Um, and therefore, do we need Shakespeare? Yes. Do we need to learn Shakespeare every time and every year? Probably not. We could probably pick out something with a Shakespeare theme. Look back at Shakespeare for a lesson and continue on with a more modern um, aspect. I, I think, and this is coming from a student, I think some of the school... Um, system is outdated. I think some of the learning factors are outdated. I think it's very behind the times when it comes to culture and kind of school's not necessarily meant to be a full-on show of entertainment, but some kids need to be kind of lobbied into wanting to learn. I think that's a struggle for many teachers. The kind of, there's a, Sometimes there's a disconnect, definitely, between student and teacher, um, I've mentioned some mental English teachers before on the podcast. You know, Miss Trollerton, we've mentioned her. There's certainly a disconnect between her and her students. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a disconnect between students and teachers. Not all the time. Um, you meet some... There's always a nice teacher. Teachers aren't bad. That I think most teachers are misunderstood. But there's that disconnect again if you're misunderstood. So... There's interesting kind of sides to teachers where there's the one that um, is very strict, probably he's not looking for popularity, 
he gets the job done, in out, he goes home, marks his books, uh, cries on his couch. And then you get the other side of a teacher, uh, the one that tries to be cool, um, usually the PE teacher. Um, he tries to be cool, tries to be down with the kids, uh, just like I am using these newfangled words. Uh, tries to be down with the kids. Um, and it kind of fails, but they're definitely more entertaining than the other side of teachers. And then there's the middle ground that can mix well, and they're definitely the best teachers, I think. Because school is about learning, but what you have to take into kind of as a factor is kids don't want to learn. They're more, they're more focused on other things. I'm more focused on other things at some point in school um, in my life. Uh, uh, or at least certain school subjects. I'm I'm very focused in school. I think my grades would reflect that because I am a genius. No, I'm not. Uh, I would say I'm a good student, gets the job done, <laughs> in out, and goes home and cries on his couch. No, I'm I'm a good student. I'd say. I don't know what my teachers would say in reaction to that. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes there is you have to try and make them learn. Especially in the early years, uh, take secondary school as an example. When I was in year seven, it was just like, oh, got four more years to GCSE. Just relax. Won't listen to that. Peel paragraphs. Oh, won't need to use that. Won't need to use peel paragraphs. But in the end, in those kind of final two years, year 10 and 11, it comes up again. But no one listened the first time, and then you have to explain it again. And now you've wasted time on learning something new, and it becomes repetitive. School is very much a cycle. Um, I, I think school also, it doesn't really feed into the, the dream of a child. And obviously, not every child is going to become an actor. Not every child is going to be, be famous. But I think some aspects of school is kind of just... You're going to end up in an office job. You're going to end up in an office job. I think that's what some teachers think while they're teaching Shakespeare. It's just like, oh, why am I, why am I trying? This knobhead will just be down working at McDonald's again in a week's time. You know, when he gets out, he's just going to go straight to McDonald's. He's going to do stacking boxes in Sainsbury's. You know, so I think while you can't necessarily entertain the children with, you're going to be a celebrity... You at least need to give them the, the tools to do so. The tools to at least try. I am very much behind the the um, the idea of trying. You should succeed, and obviously you will fail, but that is an aspect of life. It's very much cliche. Failing will failing is learning. Um, I've learned a lot more from failing than sitting down in the classroom. I don't think I'm necessarily made for something like uh, maths or science. And I think that I'm made for more creative subjects. For me personally, I feel like something like drama. Uh, I'm not... I don't like music, the lesson. Um, but something creative will do. And I think a lot of kids are more creative. We are in a generation where it's so much easier to get an interesting job. So much easier. Because the internet, it's, you know, get on. You can start your own business. You could make your own website for a couple of pounds. You know, so really we're in a time where everything is so much easier to access. 
everything you can start your own business you know if you want to be a bit lazy sell stuff on ebay or something like that there's just new ways to make money new ways to make money and i think schools are behind on these new ways i really do i think it's they expect an office job as i said they expect you to work in a factory to do something very mundane and boring and by the numbers and something they probably had to go through before they got the teaching job i don't think all teachers want to be teachers but sometimes you just you just got to sometimes you just got to be a teacher it's the last thing but you know i can't slag off teachers because even the ones that probably didn't want to become a teacher and i'm definitely sure that's a lot of them i'm have absolute respect for them because they're still doing you know six hours working hard then going home to do another couple of hours of marking um i think they get a bit slagged off with when it comes to the holiday um many people say teaching's not a hard job you get six weeks off in the summer that's true but in the end they're not only working from that you know eight 8am to uh, 3.30, they're going beyond that, you know, until 6pm, 7pm, 8pm, however long it takes you to mark, uh, mark a book, mark a te- uh, test, then go on to make a PowerPoint for tomorrow's lesson. That's interesting, that engages the students. Um, and there's certainly teachers that are better at that than others, but we must uh, respect them either way because they still try even if they may not want to be there and they may have a bigger dream. But I think education should give more into that more creative side because people, there's a lot of creative people. There definitely is, definitely is. There's definitely a lot of people that are made for an office job, like that, you know, nine to five, hard work, you know, regimented timetable. You can't break out of it. You can't do anything different. This is what you've got to do. Do it now, create the spreadsheet, hand it into the boss. He'll give you a bit of a uh, rip down, rip you apart, saying this is absolute shite. And you are, all right, so I'll come back to you tomorrow at, uh, let's say, 10.30 a.m. with a new spreadsheet. Some people are completely made for that, and that's completely fine. But I think some, I think schools have to give in to other sides of people. I think it's very, uh, school is very at a base level. You got English, you got science, you got maths, and you got the other subjects or uh, side subjects. There's not much lead into other aspects. There's not many extra lessons. There's extra lessons of uh, maths. There's extra lessons of English, but you wouldn't see an extra lesson of web design. An extra lesson of you know becoming an entrepreneur. I think. We live in a creative time where schools need to get creative as well. And I think it would be much more entertaining for um, a teacher as well. I think it would be a much more enjoyable job if you, you know, to be more creative with the lessons you teach and not have it be handed to you by the government and regimented. And I know the government has to run it. That's the way it is. But sometimes I think you've got to take a chance on a child. In some aspects, you've got to take a chance on a child. I think schools are afraid to take chance on creativity, afraid to take chance on creating not necessarily the next big thing to our world, but, you know, how many Einsteins are we going to see come through the doors of the next, you know, of a 
assigned to him? Not many. But if you give them the tools to become the next Einstein, possible. Not necessarily plausible, but very possible. But there you go. That's my rant on schools. Uh, I really think they should have been open before now. I was glad when they closed in March. I am getting tired of them not being open. But it's good to have this kind of six-week break anyway. And going in September, uh, getting back, doing doing the old Shakespeare, seeing the angry teachers that cry into the textbook, seeing, seeing that your ink has been smudged from a tear from your English teacher. Isn't that great? Uh, now, we have to talk about uh, Liam Gallagher, Oasis, uh, again, because a couple of weeks ago I didn't really get the opportunity to do what I wanted with the music um, podcast. I enjoyed it. There was some um, background sounds that I wasn't a big fan of, uh, but I've been listening to a lot of Liam Gallagher. A little bit less of Noel lately, but Liam is... He's doing some quality stuff. I said, I think I said in the podcast the other week that it does feel a bit generic, kind of rock, but I must say it is enjoyable. And he's created some absolute bangers, I think. I know he doesn't write the songs. I know he has a team of writers, but still, still, he has that voice. He's a good, he has a good voice. Is he the best singer in the world? No, but he has a brilliant voice. It was like uh, Morrissey from The Smiths. Um... Is he the best singer in the world? Maybe not. But that voice is so distinct and uh, in many ways iconic. And as soon as you put on a Smith's track, bang, that voice comes out. As soon as you put on most Oasis tracks, boom, Liam Gallagher. If you put on a Liam Gallagher solo album, it's all Liam Gallagher. I mean, the, so I've been listening to um, a, a lot of his first album, As You Were. Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. I think there is some genetic rock, but I don't think there's necessarily a bad track. I think there's some tracks that play it safe. I like Wall of Glass, but I would say it plays it a bit safe. Uh, probably my favourite song off um, for, for uh, I was about to say For What Is Worth, that's another one. Uh, that's a song on the album, um, As You Were, that's it. Uh, my favourite song or track, or whatever you want to call it, would have to be Paper Crown. Brilliant. Love it. And there's a great music video. If you haven't seen the music video for Paper Crown, uh, it's very creative and I would recommend you check it out. So Paper Crown is a very good one. I also enjoyed, um, what was the other one? For What You're Worth, or For What It's Worth. Um, loved that one as well. That seemed a bit of a message towards Noel. I don't know if Noel heard it. I'm sure he did. Checking out the competition, that seemingly is also your brother, which can be your bit awkward, but they've been doing it for about 10 years, 11 years now. Oh, 11 years on the 28th of August. 11 years since the breakup of Oasis. But, I mean, I'm not necessarily yearning for return of Oasis. I think they did well, you know, they were around for years. For years. When did they start? 93? And got out in 2009? What's that, 18 years? Something like that. And they put, put out some great tracks. They put out some mediocre tracks. But in the end, I mean, they're going to be remembered as uh, one of the greatest bands in British history and one of the most memorable bands of all time, in my opinion. Many people call them the, the 90s Beatles. And I think that's very 
uh, a very well-deserved uh, tagline for them, title. Uh, I wasn't... Listen, many people praise the Beatles, and I'll praise the Beatles. I love some tracks off the Beatles, but I don't necessarily think they're the greatest band ever. And some of them, you know... And to be fair, I haven't listened to every Beatles track in the world. I haven't necessarily listened to all the album. But I've heard the classics, and I hate, you know... I, I, you can't, um, you can't judge a whole band on just the classics. There's obviously some B sides and hidden gems, um, but from the stuff I've heard, they're good. They're very good. But are they the, one of the greatest bands in British history? Mm, no, not for me at least. I think it's very good, very brilliant for its time, brilliant for its time. But I think. I think it just feels a bit lost now. There's still classics that you can listen to. I'll, I'll tell you what, Beatles are very... Um, they have a very good listenability, if that's a word to them, um, that they bring in every track. But are they the greatest band in British history? Not for me. And I, I don't... I won't name the greatest band in British history because there's too many good ones. I have my favourites, of course, but to say it is the greatest band in British history is very it's a very opinionated fact if that makes sense um I'd say you have to say it's the greatest band in history in my opinion I think we talked about uh, on one of the podcasts opinions pros and cons and everything I keep seeing lately on on the internet Ellen Ellen DeGeneres I believe that's how you say her Last name. She's getting cancelled. Is what they like to say now. Cancelled. Um, I hate cancel culture. I hate it. I think Ellen deserves it. She seemingly, from what I've heard, uh, is being a bit of a cow towards many of her and uh, employees. Um, and I've always thought she was a bit uh, fake. I I just think. Listen. You know, give away a car. Are you giving away a car? Giving away a car? Added, there's added tax on that. There's added tax on that car. You'll have to pay that off soon. It's not a free car. Never a free car. Um, so she's getting so many, so much hate. Articles everywhere. Uh, articles from the Independent, Daily Mail, Mirror. If I said oh, The Sun, The New Yorker. Uh, more the sun so she's getting uh, a lot of hate because she apparently bullied her employees which I think is very ironic she presents this kind of uh, face of kindness and giving and charity and loving and the world's brilliant I love the world I love the world Um, that's what she kind of brings on her little TV show but in the end you know if if someone brings in the wrong coffee they're going to get fired. They're probably going to get smacked. You know, Alan DeGeneres probably has a very big, uh, a very good physique, and I'm sure she can kick the crap out of some of her employees, kick the absolute shit out of some of them. Oh, this is a, a, a mochaccino. Is that a coffee? I don't drink it. This is a mochaccino. Oh, you twat! And this absolutely belts them with a hot coffee. Maybe it was cold. Maybe that was the problem. Uh, but yeah, she's getting cancelled. There's a lot of cancel culture going on uh, everywhere now. It's been everywhere for ages. 
uh, but now it's getting getting heavy. And I have some interesting views on cancel culture. Uh, I think in some aspects, cancel culture can be unfair. I think Ellen maybe shouldn't be cancelled, but she should definitely be called out. I don't like the word cancelled, but she should definitely be called out. I mean, seemingly from everything we're hearing, these are more uh, current uh, current offences, things that happened in recent years, whereas some of cancel culture's, you know, a tweet from 10 years ago. You're really going to call someone out on a tweet from 10 years ago? I've seen too much of that. Seen too much of that. A tweet from 10 years ago. Oh, you're offensive. I didn't like that. You know what I'd do? I'd turn around and say, I don't give a shit. It's a joke. Many jokes. Oh, that was offensive. Uh, many opinions, political opinions. Oh, I don't agree with you. You deserve to get cancelled. You know. I think as long as you're presenting an opinion that doesn't necessarily hurt the world on a base level, you shouldn't get cancelled. And I, I mean, I guess like you could say, well, what, what can be deemed as hurtful? You know, uh, racism on the internet. No, can't do it. If you, <laughs> I mean, Nazis shouldn't be tweeting out on Twitter. But then, so you know, sometimes if you're left or right, you're, you're, you're attacked for your view. And that is so wrong. That is so wrong. You shouldn't be a Nazi. But just because you're on one side of the political spectrum and you take some of their points and you take it, into your values doesn't make you a Nazi. And I think some people uh, attack others for just a simple political view. Uh, Ellen is getting attacked for something completely different. Uh, and I find it ironic. I don't necessarily like seeing it because I feel sorry for the employees that got bullied um, that aren't really getting an apology necessarily uh, and not necessarily getting their name spoken but it's Ellen Ellen you don't hear the name of the employee that got bullied it's Ellen so if anything she's getting more publicity if it's bad publicity yeah is she going to be seen the same again no uh is her career over probably not probably not she'll find another way in through something um but yeah cancel culture has been terrible it's been terrible for the past couple of years every Society is getting a bit more, I'm going to say it's soft, in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to certain aspects of the world. Uh, I think cancel cultures uh, get hits people too hard in, you know, in a very quick fashion. You know, the tweets from 10 years ago, well, oh, take them off TV, what a scumbag, what, what a horrible person. Yeah, does a tweet represent a person? I, I've, I'm on Twitter, and if you follow me on there, uh, there's no point saying where, because if you listen to the podcast, you've clicked the link. Most of my Twitter is uh, sharing the, this podcast, advertising myself. It's one big advertising scheme. I'm basically my own agent, getting my own jobs uh, and working to advertise myself. So, But when I'm on Twitter, cancel culture everywhere. Uh, I hate to mention Ricky Gervais again, but he's been a big supporter in, you know, going against uh, this, this flippant cancel culture, uh, going against its its idea. 
what can be deemed because people say oh um if you put something out that uh that's offensive well what what can it be offensive for oh you should be cancelled if you put out something offensive it offends people well it's not going to offend everyone of course it's going it has to offend at least one person yeah there's a lot of people on the planet um but do you deserve to get cancelled for something that you did 10, 20 years ago? For an action that you've done 10, 20 years ago? No. You've grown as a human being. You've grown as a person. So that's that's basically what's happened this week. Cancel culture and school debates um, and all the fun stuff. It's been a fun week. For me personally, um, what's interesting to me is... Uh, keeping my window open to hear my neighbours playing heavy metal, which I didn't expect. Heavy metal music, 24-7. Well, at least when they're in the garden. And I I tell you what, heavy metal music, love-hate relationship with it, love-hate relationship with it. Obviously, I said last week I'm a professional wrestling fan, so you're going to get a bit of a lot of heavy metal music. Chris Jericho... Uh, a theme song called Judas. I mean, that just says, I wear a leather, cl- leather coat and I wear eyeliner and I scream. But I think Judas is a fantastic song. But it's could be deemed as somewhat heavy metal. I'm not a big... F- I don't really know music genres, so don't get me started. Don't, you know, don't debate. Oh, well, that wasn't heavy metal. Oh, you're a drat. No, I'm not. I just don't understand certain genres. So I have a love-hate relationship with heavy metal. Um... It's popular. I don't think it's as popular today as it was probably in the mid two thousands, where everyone was early early to mid two thousands, where everyone was dark. Yeah, I listened to heavy metal music. Oh, you must be a you must be an absolute killer then. You must you must be a badass. You listen to heavy metal music. Oh my god, what a good person you are. <laughs> but yeah, I'm heavy metal music. Love hate relationship with it, but you never know if the fucking neighbors keep playing it twenty four seven in the garden. I may start to love it. I don't know. I don't see it happening. Uh, but that's that's the podcast for this week. I don't want to just ramble on about heavy metal music. Um, I can ramble on about Ellen DeGeneres and how she's a bit of a cunt. Um, and if American viewers listen uh, to this and they hear me say cunt, and they're probably thinking, oh, what, what an offensive term that is. He deserves to get cancelled. Cunt is not a very heavy word here in... England, uh, if anything, it's used in very casual conversation. Um, you know, you could go up to your mate, hello mate, oh, what a cunt over there, look at that cunt, I mean, he hasn't taken the, the tea bag out of his tea, what a, what a cunt. <laughs> Talking cunt with Tyler Bear. <laughs> what a podcast that is. Um, but we're going to end this podcast, and it's not called talk- Talking Cunt with Tyler Brown, it's called Talking Shit with Tyler Brown, and I'll see you next week for another week of news, cancel culture and heavy music. Rock on.